As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin for a I would be honored if you played football for this team. The football gods are always on the Bears' shoulder. Go Bears! Boy, that escalated quickly. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Ho. Are there any signs that there's a bigger issue of disrespect? Is Jordan Love bad? And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. It's clear to me that they're going to make him earn that left tackle spot. There's some good signs there. It's okay to be excited. It's The Adams. The Adams converge. Hogan Johns. And we are underway. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan and Johns with you. Thank you for uh, being patient. An extra day here as uh, we go about our reporting and uh, promise to make it worth it because we want to bring some real stuff to you guys during this coaching search, uh, GM search, and hopefully by waiting the day you get a little extra here because John's did have this huge story with Kevin Fishbane on The Athletic this morning. Um, I had like the shortened version, I guess, on NBCSportsChicago.com. So good job by you with all your reporting, some really good stuff. But uh, I think we are both on the same page with these stories that, boy, the Bears have effed this up a lot the last 10 years, and they better get it right this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they better. They better, but... Confidence level is quite low, but you know what? <laughs> um, I think we've said it several times on this podcast now, Adam. Broken clock correct twice what's it is right twice i totally messed it up now i, totally I got you i got you a bro, a bro, even a broken clock is right twice, twice. A day. there you go there, there you go, go. Total, total brain fart there like oh my god oh, i just forgot this because you know i guess we said, we said it too many times you were um, halfway into it and you're like oh crap i went too far and i don't remember the rest <laughs> did you see the pause like oh no it's gone yep. it's gone it, it just slipped the mind um but yeah um check it out um we'll discuss some of it i don't want to reveal everything that's in it because uh if you're a Bears fan, I think you'll be interested in it. The headline is, it all starts with the McCaskies. How the Bears ended up in an endless cycle of inheriting the previous regime's trash. So check it out in The Athletic. You could go to The Athletic slash Hogan Johns. I still think for that, um, our podcast discount. So if you want to take that route, please do. 
Yeah, theathletic.com slash Hogan John is where you go to get that. My column's up on NBCSportsChicago.com. In a much shorter way, uh, just kind of looking at how they've screwed up the last five hires, whether it's GM, head coach, basically since George McCaskey took over. We'll discuss some of that uh, as well here. And uh, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S, at Kevin Fishbane, at K Fishbane, I should say, since Kevin was involved in that story as well. We'll have Kevin on next week, too, uh, to get his thoughts on some of this stuff. Uh, Joining us on this podcast today, we'll get to in a little bit, Stephen Holder, must listen. Stephen is as dialed in as they come on the Indianapolis Colts, which matters because the Bears are are interviewing three members of the Indianapolis Colts, two for the GM job and one for the head coaching job. So there's a lot of insight to get from Steven on some of these candidates, and we will get to that in a little bit, but you're definitely going to want to listen to that. So got a lot of good stuff coming up on this podcast. Make sure you're checking us out on YouTube, YouTube, uh, youtube.com, and of course, uh, just search for the Hogan Johns. Hit subscribe, hit the notifications. We go live. I promise you we're probably going to go live whenever these hirings come down and they happen so uh, by hitting that notification button you'll get the automatic update and it'll let you know when we do go live so you're going to want to do that uh merch is all up on the obvious shirts.com uh check out the hats the winter beanies are up there got to grab those right now and um and so go to obvious shirts.com for all that stuff we appreciate our friends over there okay um Let's dive into a little bit of this massive story you had come out this morning, and everybody needs to go read it, so we're not going to spoil the whole thing. A couple nuggets, though, that I've already seen uh, going around Twitter. I believe you have Mitchell Trubisky trending on Twitter this morning, so congratulations for that, Johnsy. Oh, come on. Really? Is he? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what our producer, Kent Garrison, just said. He was like, why is Mitch Trubisky trending? And I'm like, I think probably because of this story. Um, So some of this is already out there. This actually has nothing to do with the coaching or GM search, but it is interesting and new information. But um, this is from early in the 2020 season where... Is it okay that I share this stuff right now? You're talking about the lead? Go ahead. Yeah. Well, maybe you should. It's your story. You tell the story. Um, 2020 season, uh, Bears beat the Giants. Uh, if you can remember that game... The Bears went up 17 to nothing right before halftime. Trubisky threw a touchdown pass to Darnell Mooney to cap that drive. Uh, everything looking for the Bears, but then everything sputtered in the second half. Didn't score. Didn't score a point. They ended up winning 17-13. If you can recall, like after that game, like Trubisky was critical of a lot of things. A lot of things. Um, my takeaway after that game um, was that he didn't like. The offensive philosophies wanted certain different things, and he had questions about accountability and stuff like that. I'm just spitballing here, but I'm just trying to set the stage here. But um, Matt Nagy was mad about one play in particular during that scoring drive right before halftime, where Trubisky completed a first down pass actually to Cole Komet, but the pass was meant to go elsewhere. And if you watch the All 22, Allen Robinson is open, so Matt Nagy has a point. But I think. What happened next is even more notable. Like Matt Nagy in a team meeting calls out Trubisky. You know, calling out your quarterback is something that has a ripple effect. And it was felt then. Um, Nick Foles was in that building. And it was just the, the timing of it. They're 2-0. and The play itself calls out his quarterback. And then the following week, Trubisky gets benched. You know, you just see things like that play out. Um, Real I think quick, lot- I just want to give the quotes because they're... 
you're you're almost downplaying it a little bit uh, in what you're saying. I just so I just want to make sure the effect is there. But you, the quotes that you have in your story, quote: "He ripped Mitch in front of the whole team." A source said. Nagy proceeded to chastise Mitch for being uncoachable and not throwing it to the proper guy in front of the whole team. A second source said, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty damning stuff. Um, especially when everyone kind of knows that his job security Mitch is now is tenable, barely won the quarterback competition coming into the season. Um, and oh, by the way, won the game. Like they won the game. So I, I could see how that had a negative effect, not only on Trubisky, but it sounds like some of his teammates that really liked him. Yeah, well, we knew Mitch was well-liked. Well and I think at that time, many of us, Adam, to go back in the time machine here, um, suspected that there was friction, that their relationship was frayed. I'm talking about Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy, that yep. they weren't seeing eye to, eye to eye on things, that something was off. I think we saw that play out multiple times, or there's examples of that playing out multiple times during the 2019 season. Now, here we are in 2020. The Bears had already acquired Nick Foles for a fourth-round pick. And not only that, they restructured his contract to give him like two years with the team where Trubisky only had one. So that was a message all in, it, all in itself. But, um, there, yeah, there's a lot in this article. Um, um, check it out. Um I think we'll get to some of it here a little bit more, but a lot to it. Yeah. So another little nugget that's in there too um, that I've already seen going around on Twitter, so I'll mention it, um, is that Nagy no-showed a meeting with Trubisky after the 2019 season. Like these are the kinds of stuff that comes out after a guy you know, gets let go and um, no one wants to be out there defending Mitch Trubisky. That's not what this is about either. You know, he had his faults, but it just goes to show why this thing ended up not working out and why everybody's moving on. Um, so this this was weeks, many weeks in the making, just talking to a lot of different people. And you're hearing all these stories. You're picking up different pieces of information. And you're just hoping like that, like, the current decision makers are learning from their mistakes. This article goes all the way back to when George McCaskey took over in 2011. Back when Jerry Angelo, we'll talk about him later, I think, with Stephen Holder, was fired. Right? And he has to, um, yeah, Phil Emery coming in. Lovey Smith is told to stay for a year, you know? And just how one regime affects the next regime. And it's over and over and over again, right? Like, Phil Emery signs Jay Cutler to this massive contract. The dude ends up playing only one year on the deal. Do you remember that Phil signed like Roberto Garza and somebody else to extensions his last week with the team? Yeah, yeah. Like, how did that happen? I still to this day think, well, that Roberto Garza story. I think Garza was getting a deal, but at the same time, to go back to the Emery era, like Jay Ratliff was fighting with his coaches and team uh, with his with the training staff I believe and teammates in the locker room during that time do you remember like everything was well, there delayed. was a, I do remember there was a practice fight late in that season yes well yeah. Brandon Marshall was involved in some of those but just you know one decision leads to many other bad decisions um 
you know, even like we talked about John Fox and his special teams coordinator, Jeff Rogers, wanting to get rid of Robbie Gold and how that led to all sorts of different things. You know, from the oh. double doink to the kinky competition that you love so much. Um, um, by the way, the uh, let's give let's put some respect on that name. The reigning NFC Special Teams Player of the Week, Robbie Gold. He's a punter now. He was punting. Special teams coaching, you just loves that, don't you? But like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm watching, like Pat McAfee. They're they're talking about Robbie Gold and what he did, you know, as a as a punter in that game. And like, and then then there's a shot, like, oh, that's why the Bears cut him. You know, like, and that's. It still rings true to this day, even though they finally ca- they finally found an answer in Cairo Santos after Cairo Santos originally failed. Remember that, like the the, the little mini kicking derby under John Fox before they, you know. Well, he got hurt with, when that happened. He yeah, really yeah, yeah. He, he was. Yeah, wasn't the same kicker, but like, I, I I just like my my most important takeaway from reporting on this story is you hope. The Bears brass has learned from it, like especially from like the Ernie Acorsi situation, because you're doing it again. Well, and that's that's the problem here, right? You know, like, there's two there's two things here. Okay, one is you're doing it again this time with Bill Poley. Okay, and this is and this is why I think some people have mistaked like criticism of Bill Polian which I don't think anybody's done. Nobody's criticizing Bill Polian. They're doubting what the Bears are doing because they're doing this again. Ernie Accorsi had been out of the league for a decade, okay, when they brought him in as an advisor. Bill Polian got let go. Ironically, Bill Polian got fired by the Colts the day before Jerry Angelo got fired. It was at the same exact time when this whole mess started. And... You know, I had the same instincts because my story on NBCSportsChicago.com, McCaskey Phillips must learn from past mistakes. And it starts with just a little over 10 years ago, Chicago Bears president Ted Phillips made the bold decision to fire then general manager Jerry Angelo. Like that's where this all starts. And it was a new regime with George McCaskey, but George was very quick to say that this was Ted's doing. Quote, it was Ted's decision, he said in the press conference as they announced this big, massive change that were coming. And then right away, they did not cast a wide net in their search for a replacement. Um, They only interviewed a few candidates. And they not only did not allow the new GM to fire Lovey Smith, wasn't allowed to happen, Lovey was in the interviews. So right away, they don't know what they're doing. And you can keep going down... Um, example by the way the finalist with Phil Emery was Jason Light which was with the Patriots at that time eight years later Jason Light didn't Jason hire Lovey Smith then in Tampa a couple years later so I think like, it almost might have been reversed one of those the coach helps pick the GM situations well regardless there was some compatibility there obviously now they did end up firing Lovey after two years and that whole thing. But um, point is, eight years later, Jason Light signs Tom Brady, uh, wins a Super Bowl. Looks like a good GM. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, then you go to everybody knows the Mark Tressman situation. But my, just to shorten all this up, my point is that all of these hirings, it seems like the Bears have passed on the more obvious candidate. Like they're overthinking it. 
So Bruce Arians is the reigning NFL coach of the year. Think about that. NFL coach of the year. You never get a chance to hire the NFL no, coach of the year. No. That's a, so he wants, it should have been a line of 10 teams or how many jobs were open that year, knocking on the door, hey, Bruce, come come coach for us. And he wanted to come to the Bears. He wanted to come to the Bears. And he wanted to coach Jay Cutler. <laughs> Not a lot of coaches want to coach Jay Cutler, especially at that time in Jay Cutler's trajectory. Dave Tobe interviewed and said, I want Jay out of here. Yes. Who knew Jay well? Bruce Arians wanted to coach Jay Cutler. Coach of the year. What he did when Chuck Pagano was going through his cancer treatments, like that alone in itself should have been the like like like, like what are yeah. we doing here? Yeah. So instead, they uh, they hired the uh the, the guy the Canadian from Canada football. <laughs> Coach of the year. I don't even know if he was coach of the year, but he did have success in Canada. He had some, he had some great cups. Yeah. Um, then said, I mean, what? Just that'll never not be a mind blowing. And it goes back to like when when Potsy in the press conference Monday is like George. How do you get held accountable? Because that you should have lost the team over that. Like the NFL should have said, you no longer get to own the Bears because that happened. That's how ridiculous that was. Um, and so the next time they have to hire a GM, right? So they gave Phil Emery too much power, maybe. Or that's how they look at it. So now, now they have to bring in an, an, an advisor and they got to be, you know. It's, it's, such a, it's such a swing of things, too, isn't right. it? You know, like. They go back and forth. They go back and forth. But there's two things that, that rang consistent to me. One is they, they consistently don't make the obvious hire. So they did it again. They passed on Chris Ballard for Ryan Pace. Okay. And then the other thing, um, too, is that they're not open to, like, when Dave Tobe says, no Jay Cutler, or Chris Ballard, and you had this in your story, too, and was information I knew about, when Chris Ballard doesn't want Jay Cutler. Like, maybe these guys who've been in your building that know the football side of your building better than you do, Know what they're talking about. Maybe you should listen to them. Maybe you shouldn't be afraid to change them. You need to understand. And I put this right at the bottom of my story too. Whoever the Bears hire as GM is instantly more qualified from a football standpoint than George McCaskey and Ted Phillips. And I'd even argue in terms of like recent history, especially if he's coming from a current active NFL team, Bill Polian. Yeah. You're saying whoever they hire is is more yes, qualified than yes. Bill Polian. Like, and like here, here's my sticking point in the whole Ernie Corsi thing. You know, like once John Fox became available, like everybody in the NFL knew what was going to happen. Everybody, right? That's one of his guys from the New York Giants. Like, so here's my point: the Bears. It looks like they're actively trying to get this GM search done before the head coaches, which they should be doing, right? That's what they want to do. Sure. So when this GM is hired, let him have his own list of coaches. These guys that you requested on Napoleon, forget about it. But I don't think they're going. I don't think they're going to. You know, like, and that's a thing whoever takes that GM job has to seriously consider. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. Let your GM run his own little mini coaching search if he has to. Get out of the way. Advise if you want. 
But darn it, don't like don't make him stick to your list. I'm with you. The, and and honestly, if they're doing this at the same time like they are, they should they should be trying to find a pairing, right? They should be I, I agree overall for the most part with a couple exceptions. You go for the GM first, but like you got to be cross-checking like because every time you interview these GM candidates, who are you? What's your short list for head coach? Like who should we be talking to? Who do you yeah. like? And then and then whoever you hire for GM, you got to go with that GM's list. You know, even if that means crossing off somebody that you liked when you interviewed the head coach before you had the GM because you can't be forcing this thing again. You can't have an arranged marriage as you had it in your story with John Fox. That's not how this thing can work. There, There's a quote from McCaskey's press conference on Monday that I think is going to, to linger for some time where he says that they're trying to reach a consensus on things, but at the end of the day, the calls on GM and head coach are his. I would hope if he hires his GM first, he steps back. And lets him run his own search for forever long it takes. I think sometimes teams move with almost too much urgency. Yeah. I get you got to build the best staff, but find that best coach because that's really it. So this goes to the candidate that I wanted to bring up. That if he really wants to come to Chicago, I think you hire him. And that's Rick Smith, who ran the Houston Texans. And it goes back to something I've talked about for a long time on this podcast really goes back. I think you and I have talked about this for years, at least three years that it seems like from top down, everybody in the Chicago bears organization is like one notch higher than they should be. Like they've been over promoted one spot. And it's why I think so many people say you need a director of football operations or president of football operations. So they've already ruled that out. They're not hiring a full director of football operations. They're going to hire a GM, but that GM, since George can't possibly have his mind open to a different structure, um, I'm sorry, he did a modified structure like Chris Ballard wanted, you know, GM won't report to, by the way, whose idea was that? Uh, He made sure to point out it was Ted's idea. So call me skeptical, skeptical on that. I like that word. Use the skeptical, skeptical, (laughs) call me skeptical. Yeah. On that one, because that, what's that's the first- an increased sense of skepticism. That's what that's what that. Means. Yeah, <laughs> I just made that up. Um, what do you think the first? Whoever the GM is, what do you think the first time that GM goes to George? Now Ted's pushed to the side and says, "Hey, I need this." Or what do you think about this? What do you, What do you think George is going to do? He's going to walk down the he- hallway and ask Ted. <laughs> I thought the same thing, man. So 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 I, I I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just really not buying that. Like. Because if Ted is really being pushed aside and he really thinks it's such a great idea for him to concentrate on the state, yeah, we think he should concentrate on the stadium. Um, Then why is he in all these GM interviews? Why is he not working on the stadium right now? He's got to be involved in the GM interviews. So I just, I don't buy that at all. I just don't. My my one internal suggestion would be promoting Cliff Stein, a former NFL agent and your longtime chief negotiator on things, maybe into that role, especially if Ted really wants to step away. And you and I have heard the rumors about, you know, Ted potentially wanting to retire sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I imagine the conversation is going to go like Matt Nagy's conversation with George McCaskey about the starting quarterback. 
You know, like I'm uncomfortable about this. Well, it certainly sounds like once again, George wants to have a vice president of football operations without actually giving them the title. So we're going to hire the GM. He's in charge of the football ops. And even more so now, in my opinion, like for all Ted's faults, at least he's been in the position and handled it for 20 plus years. Like now you're reporting to George who tells you every time he can, he's just a fan. He doesn't know anything about football. Um, so to me, it's even more important, regardless of what the title is, you got to have somebody in there that knows what they're doing. So I look at Rick Smith because Rick Smith was the executive vice president of football operations in Houston. Okay. So he's held that job before he's been the GM who got promoted higher. At least, you know, if you hire Rick Smith, he can come in and understand everything that he really needs to do in that role. Even if he doesn't have the title of president of football operations. He's just going to be the GM, but he can handle the job. And that I just... Because he has handled the job, yes. Right, so for the first time, you will actually have somebody in that role who is overqualified to be the GM instead of underqualified. That's why I would go that right route, and that's why I think they need to go that route. I think if you look at their candidates for GM... Like, you hope they're trying to learn from the Ryan Pace situation. And, and honestly, like, in reporting that story, I think a lot of people are still high at Ryan Pace around the league. I think so, too. Um, but now he's gone. But if you look at their list of candidates, you have some young guys who have had different experiences where Ryan Pace was solely with the Saints. We're going to talk about this with Stephen Holder in a minute. But, like, you got Ed Dodds. Morocco Brown. They're with the Colts right now, but they just haven't always been with the Colts, is, is my point. You know, they've been to different places. They've Brown used to be with the things. Bears. Yes. Yes. Under Angel. When things right? were good. Yes. So again, um, listen to the guys who have been here. Know your strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Ed, Ed Dodds supposed to be quite the character. Like he's been to Seattle. Like he like he's been part of that that success there. Even like Elliot Wolf, Ron Wolf's son. He's had the success in Green Bay, learning under his father, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, all those wins up there. But then he's been through some shit times with the Browns. You know, he's back with the Patriots now, but like there's a range of experiences here that I think, or at least I hope the Bears are trying to maybe learn from what happened in 2015? Even like a Jeff Ireland, another former GM. Now, now things kind of like I'd have I'd have some concerns about how things played out in Miami with him. Yeah, there's two enormous red flags that I don't know if he can overcome. Right, he's supposed to be interviewing today, I think. Um, yeah, he is. But uh, for those people that don't remember, he got in hot water for the question he asked Des Bryant because he essentially asked Des Bryant when he's coming out in the draft if his mom was a prostitute. So that came out public, and he had to apologize for that because I know they want to know everything, but that was inappropriate. And then there was the whole Jonathan Martin thing with Richie Incognito that was, uh, you may remember, like it was essentially bullying, and his response was something along the lines of, oh, well, Jonathan should just punch him back. It, which got in the whole thing, and, and thankfully, I think the league has come a long way with some of this stuff with mental health and 
um, trying to limit that type of stuff going on in the locker room. Um, Richie Incognito still playing football, but you may remember that whole thing, but Ireland got in hot water for both of those things. And I don't, I, that to me, that would be a real, I don't know if he could overcome that. Even if the bears were to hire him, I think that that would be a problem. I think those, those things would come up uh, oh, publicly, especially in today's, in today's culture. I, I think that that would be a real problem. Yeah. In times 10 in Chicago, like everything's yeah. mag- magnified. I'm sorry. With all due respect to the markets of Miami and New Orleans, you're coming to a founding city of the NFL. Everything's a bit heightened. Um, before we move on, if there's one candidate that intrigues me who has spent like the majority of his career like with one franchise, it's Omar Khan. Yeah. Because I think the longevity of the success of the Steelers stands out to me, you know? And they've just they don't like hire coaches. Like they because they don't have to. They're just good at it. You know, I think that's important. I think that's important. And and like I view Omar Khan as like he may be hired as the general manager for the Bears, but that's kind of like the like knowing his background, which is different than some of these other candidates with the scouting background. Like that would be like the the president, the yes. like just given his history and coming up differently than some of these guys with scouting backgrounds. Like, and then he might have some delegation with an assistant general manager, you know, who runs some of the. The boots on the ground, per se, with the scouts and stuff. Right. So that intrigues me. Um, you may not get the titles you want, but the turn, the layers of accountability that we've talked about at length on this podcast, you may finally get with a candidate like Omar Khan. And that's where I just want to emphasize, too, and we'll get to Stephen Holder here in a second. Let's get through this weekend. Because... As we saw with John Fox seven years ago, you sometimes get surprises after Wild Card Weekend. You sometimes, and wasn't that after Divisional Weekend too? Wasn't that a second round loss that year? I'm forgetting now. But it was an so, unexpected so loss it, it for the was, Broncos. If I can remember our story correctly, it was January 12th of that year. So. Might have been a first yeah, but, round game. But now it's that? already January 14th and playoff games haven't been played. Like everything gets pushed back. True. Yeah, it's all confusing. Um wasn't that the weren't they upset? Wasn't there like some blown coverage? Yeah, I think it was against the Ravens, wasn't it? Wasn't it against Joe Flacco? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Is that the year the Ravens won it all? I'm not sure those were the same. But there years, was a blown but... coverage where Flacco goes deep and uh, the safety whiffs. Regardless, my point (laughs) is sometimes you get surprises. You know, Jay Glazer said something last Sunday on Fox's pregame show that still kind of is ringing in my brain a little bit. He said, don't be surprised if there's a couple unexpected openings and not because of firings, but because of COVID and all the stuff coaches have had to deal with. Maybe somebody might be stepping away. I don't know who he was talking about, but... It's just been, I've been thinking about that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, watching the game later with your friends, maybe getting a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan John's polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. All right, so Stephen Holder covers the Colts, does a great job. The Bears are trying to get, uh, they're, they're talking to three different Colts personnel uh and so we wanted to bring steven on to talk about the situation here is steven holder all right well with the bears seemingly infatuated with a number of colts candidates we had to uh, bring in somebody from indianapolis to help us break these guys down and no one better than steven holder who is a senior writer for the athletic covers the colts um, and it's on with us right now. So there's uh, there's three guys on the, the head coaching side. There's Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator, uh, Ed Dodds, and Morocco Brown, the two candidates for the general manager job. First of all, Stephen, thanks so much for jumping on with us. Um, I, I, we'll start with this. Are you surprised at all with how the Colts season ended in spectacular uh, kind of ugly fashion that uh, they're, they're still getting so much love down there? Well, there, it is definitely mixed. Let me be clear. Uh, they uh, they're not getting the love from the fans, but they're definitely getting love from the rest of the NFL. I, I think it's a. I'm not surprised to your question. I think it's a, a recognition that they still are a pretty well built team that had some very specific failures at the end of the season. You know, and I think both things can be true. I think that's what people see they see a fundamentally sound organization that didn't get it done and I think there's a difference between falling short in the moment and maybe still building something that can be sustainable in the long term and I think they they definitely have a roster that will make them relevant for years to come so since the Bears don't have a time machine and can't go back <laughs> and, <laughs> and rehire Chris Ballard uh, I guess next expects best thing is taking his guys from his staff. So you have Ed Dodds, his assistant general manager. You have Morocco Brown, his director of college scouting. How would you, like, tell us about these guys. How are they different? How are they the same? Uh, how do they disagree with Ballard? How do they agree with Ballard? Take us through it if you can. So Ed Dodds is interesting. Ed Dodds was, it's to my knowledge, Chris Ballard's first call when he got the job here in Indy in uh, February 2017, you know, he, I, I don't know, well, their their relationship goes all the way back to coaching in college together at Texas A&M Kingsville. And 
they they both have I think similar personalities, both really fiery, both really competitive. You know, as as you guys know, sometimes executives will sit in the press box you know, when the visiting team is somewhere. So <laughs> we get a, a chance to see Chris Ballard on game day a lot. And let me tell you, you have never seen anything like it. Okay, this guy is flying off the walls. He is, he is he just, I mean, the F-bombs are flying. He's hes unbelievable to watch on game day. And he knows it, too, because he, he references it, references that all the time. Well, Ed Dodds is that kind of guy. We, we don't get to see it because he sits with the coaches on game day. But I just know from anecdotal evidence, he's definitely that kind of guy. And, and I think that's where they, they kind of have, uh, that's where they kind of mesh. You know, they're both really um, demanding they ask a lot of questions. Uh, Ed Dodds has taken on, well, he came here with a different title. He was uh, vice president of, I think, player personnel. He has, su- he has since gotten a promotion to assistant general manager. And I presume, connecting the dots, that was an effort to distinguish him as, as the number two guy in charge because he had a co-title when he initially got here. So that was a nod to him. Other teams were sniffing around. I'm sure they paid him. Uh, that was definitely, I think, an indication that you know he's somebody we want to keep here, and this is a way to show our appreciation and, and your importance. So anyway, long way of saying, I, I, Ed Dodds is really highly thought of. The other thing I would say about Ed Dodds, it's interesting. Part of me wonders whether he wants to be a GM and whether he would miss being a scout because that's what he is. He's a scout. He still gets out on the road all the time. He goes and watches college players all the time. He's really deep down a scout, and he has had opportunities to pursue GM roles. He's opted, in some cases, to either decline an offer or pull himself out of contention. Carolina was very interested last year. He pulled himself out of contention for that job. Could he have gotten it? Perhaps. Perhaps. They hired another Seattle guy, a former Seattle guy, in that role. So, uh, I, I think he would definitely have been in the running. So it's interesting. Um, but I, I definitely think you're going to get someone with a scout's mind and a scout's approach and in, in, in Dodds. And Morocco Brown's interesting. I've gotten to know him a little bit in the past year after having done a story on him. And the interesting thing about Morocco is that he has been, uh, you know, he's been in the NFL, I guess, about 20 years or so. And all of his experience before coming to Indy was as a pro scout. Uh, definitely in, in roles that manage the pro side. Chris Ballard told him, look, I want you to come work for me, but I want you to be my college director. And I think if you're Morocco Brown, your first in, your first reaction to that is, eh, I don't want to do that, you know? And what Chris Ballard sold him on was, look, this is the one hole on your resume. You've never worked on the college side. So come be the point person on the college side, and now you've got you've got the full resume to offer teams in your quest to be a general manager. And Morocco Brown bought into that. And, you know, one of the things that I also think is interesting with him is, you know, he's got the Jerry Angelo seal of approval. Jerry Angelo was very, I I talked to Jerry for quite some time about Morocco and Jerry has, he saw it in him many, many years ago that he just has a very analytical sense about scouting and he loves that about him. You know, it's not just, okay, this guy's a good player or he's not a good player. His take is, in his approach, Morocco's approach is he has the ability to see and project how a guy will grow, what his role would be, all of those things that are so hard. Those are the things, those are the, ter- 
terms in which he thinks. And so that is like the next level of scouting is what Jerry was explaining. It's not just checking a box. All right, he moves well, uh, lateral quickness, whatever. You know, like the things that, to be honest, a lot of us can kind of see, you know. And you've got to be able to see what you can't see, you know, or, or what others can't see. Yeah. And so he seems to have the ability to do that. Um, so anyway, uh, Morocco also is very, has a very strong voice in the draft room. And comes from a place, the Colts, under Chris Ballard, where that is encouraged. So if you get a Colts guy from the Colts, if you get a guy from the Colts front office to run the Bears, what you're going to get is someone who's going to, I think, encourage that and and encourage the scouts and others to really be bold and and you know come to the table with strong opinions and and make it really collaborative. It's a very collaborative front office. Chris Ballard is a guy who's fine. If you tell him he's wrong, he's okay with that. You can tell him he's wrong. I do it all the time. And, <laughs> and he encourages that. And and I, I just think it takes a certain amount of humility to be that kind of leader. He has it. And I think the guys who work underneath him, I would imagine they would continue uh, working in such a manner if they took over as a general manager. You know, it's interesting, Stephen, and I highly recommend that our listeners go check out that story you wrote on Morocco Brown. Um, I actually came across it a few weeks ago because Morocco's name had already come up to me as somebody who I, who the Bears were going to be interested in. Um, and I think you just hearing you mention Jerry Angelo's name is interesting to me because um, it's it goes beyond just the Chris Ballard connection. And I think you're already seeing with some of the things that the, that George McCaskey already said this week that the new GM is going to report to him instead of Ted Phillips, which is something Chris Ballard wanted. Um, when he was interviewing back in 2015, that there may be uh, a shift here in thinking where maybe they're thinking, all right, let's fix some of the mistakes that we made in the past. So I wonder how much those recommendations from, or just you know, guys like Chris Ballard or Jerry Angel, or honestly, I've heard some good things from former players that know Morocco Brown pretty well too, that speak highly of them. If the Bears are willing to listen to those voices, and quite frankly, they're sometimes not, willing to listen to those voices as we uh, learned with Olin Krutz this week. I, I, I find him to be particularly fascinating. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you, you said that because actually it, re- it reminds me of something else I should have added. So last year, uh, Morocco was up for the Falcons GM role. That went to Terry Fontenot, uh, who was also very highly thought of. No one was offended that he got that job, clearly. But Morocco was in the mix for that job. He um, was pretty crushed that he didn't get it, you know. And I and I think you know you get that shot, and it's like, man, you know, you don't know when it's going to come again. But anyhow, what what I can tell you about that though is that Jerry Angelo and both Chris Ballard definitely made the case to Atlanta for him. So you can bet Jerry Angelo, if they'll have him, if they'll listen, you can bet he's going to pick up the phone here. Now, hopefully. The phone call went the other way too. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I think Jerry still. I it seems it seems like you guys may know better than me. I mean, Jerry still it seems like keeps his air to the ground and, and still Very talks much. to a lot of people. Yeah, so I think he knows what I think he knows who's who and and definitely has a, a sense of of who's good at their jobs. So I he would have in, just from my conversation with him and same with Chris Ballard. I know this for a fact. Neither man would have any hesitation making a very strong, compelling case to the Bears uh, for Morocco Brown. Obviously, Chris Ballard would, would make the case for Ed Dodds, too. So uh, I, I 
I don't know how far that goes, but I, I, I think it does sound as though, from what you're saying, Adam, that it, it may be a factor. And I, I definitely think uh, they'll have no hesitation in doing that. Oh, they should call it Jerry Angelo. Um, Jerry Angelo just happens to be like the second best general manager in Bears history. It, 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 I'm not lying. It, 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 yeah. It's really true behind Jim Fink's. Um, just the, the stability, the talent, the Hall of Famers that he brought in in his era. So that type of recommendation, I think, would go far if the Bears make that call. Um, one more thing before we move on to the defensive coordinator. Um, I'm just curious, just in terms of like Baylor philosophies, what have you picked up over the years or the, the couple of years covering him? And then how do you see that maybe playing out with Dodds and Brown. I, I'm just curious if they would bring that to, to certain places. Well, okay, if you watch the Colts at all, the one thing you that is undeniable, right, whether you – whatever you think of them, well, the one thing that is undeniable is you, you watch them, you're like, okay, this team is a physical football team. They want to play just backyard, you know, back alley football. They, they love that. They embrace that. And that is not by accident. That is very, very intentional. And so where have their draft picks been centered and their resources? Uh, their greatest investment is their offensive line. Uh, they have uh, one of their highest paid players is, is their three technique, <laughs> DeForest Buckner. You know, they have, it's very clear where they put their resources. Now you can, and fans here do quibble about this. Maybe you should spend a little money, um, a little money at wide receiver, right? But, but be that as it may, I do think their fundamental you know, principles are pretty clear. They want to be good up front on both sides. And they they definitely believe in that. And I think it's kind of what guides them in many ways. I believe that both Ed Dodds and Morocco Brown subscribe to that generally as well. Uh, from my conversations with them, I get the same vibe from them. You know, in fact, Morocco Brown, for example, one of his, I, I think his, his, I don't want to say claim to fame, but one of the, you know, every scout kind of has their their sort of success story. And, yeah. and one recent one I can tell you for him, and this is in the story, Adam, you saw this, but um, Braden Smith, their right tackle, he was a right guard at Auburn, pretty good player, I believe, second team all SEC. You know, you're, you're going to get drafted pretty highly uh, with those kinds of credentials, but he was a guard and he had played tackle like a couple times as a sophomore. And Chris Ballard was like, all right, Morocco, you want this guy, but he's, you know, he's a guard. We're, we're okay at guard and not against it. But like, why are you selling me this guy at like number 35? <laughs> and he's like, he's going to be our right tackle. He's like, okay, no, there's no way this guy's going to play right tackle. You're crazy. And Morocco, that was the guy he stood on the table for. And they picked him. And he, by game four of his rookie season, was their starting right tackle. And and he just got a $72 million extension this year. He, his performance is a little down this year. He had some injuries. But I, I think when he was healthy, he played absolute at an elite level. He's an elite run blocker. And that that's, goes to what I'm talking about, the type of guy. He embodies exactly what the Colts are about. Physical guy. He gets up on you and just mauls you as a run blocker. So he fits perfectly with what they want to do. Now, obviously, the Bears may – or maybe built differently or what have you, but you still got to win up front, right? Yeah. So so it's not like it's not like it, it it's not going to be applicable if you go somewhere else, you know? So uh, I, I think that is – and Ed Dodds, if you know him, like he's, you know, 
he's sort of rough and gruff and like it's like all right that's a guy who's going to draft some offensive linemen right i have no doubt <laughs> <laughs> just he, he couldn't help himself he can't help himself it's just who he is so um yeah that i, I just think that's sort of a flavor of of who we're talking about here and, you, and when you say their philosophies I, I do think ballard did a good job of bringing in people who have similar philosophies to him so if you like what Chris Ballard embodies, I think you're going to get that with a lot of guys on his staff as well. Well, and the Bears definitely need more physicality. No, I think that's been a problem of theirs the last few years. Um, all right, tell us about Matt Eberflus. Uh, I don't know if he's necessarily as much of a favorite as some of the front office guys with the Colts right now, but I guess if they were to go in that direction of an Ed Dodds or uh, Morocco Brown could be a pairing. I don't, I don't, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about if there's a connection there other than the fact that they just work for the same team. And I guess one of my hesitations too, so you can talk me out of this at all, if necessary, it's just, I, the bears do have a good defense right now. And I don't know if changing the scheme is the best strategy right now. So I guess, tell us a little bit about Matt Eberflus's, uh, philosophy on defense and how uh, flexible he can be? Good question. So first, I'll just talk generally about the, the connections and, and, and so forth and, and some of his philosophy. So, so Matt, is, it's interesting. He was brought on initially when Josh McDaniels was supposed to be taking the job here. And he was going to work for Josh. What they did was they, they got some of his assistants or would-be assistants under contract before McDaniels actually signed. And, of course, as you know, in the 11th hour, he backed out. So they had three, I believe, three staffers kind of, you know, sitting in the wind. And they they decided they wanted to keep them. Matt is the only one who is still here of those three coaches. The other two, I believe, a defensive line coach and an offensive line coach, they're of all – They've all gone their separate ways uh, since then. One was fired. The other one, they let his contract expire. They they were fine letting him leave. The guy who has survived and has, in some cases, thrived honestly of that of that that trio is Eberflus. And so, and part of the reason for that is because uh, Chris Ballard really believes in in what he does and his methods and his philosophies. Uh, the connection there goes back to Rob Marinelli, interestingly. So Eberflus is kind of a protege of of Marinelli. He's a pro- protege of a lot of people, but but that's one guy who I think has really influenced him. Uh, they worked together in Dallas, and so he he was their linebackers coach there, and he's brought a lot of those principles. You know, you guys are obviously familiar with Marinelli, yeah. And so you know, I think there's definitely from a scheme standpoint there are differences, but I think you know the principles I think are are ones that overlap okay in terms of things like you know toughness and to gang tackling which is like something that they really emphasize here i mean the colts the one thing they do take the scheme out of it the one thing they do do is there's three four or five guys to the ball every single time hustle if you do not hustle you do not play and i'm not kidding they 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 grade you and and this goes back to lovey smith and tony dungy this this philosophy of uh grading hustle I know every team does it on some level, but they don't do it like this team, I assure you. And so they have a system of loafs. I don't know if Lovey did that when he was in Chicago. Yeah, that's what, they, that's what okay. they called it too, loafs. Yep, yep. Yeah. yep. So that, that's a Tony Dungy thing. They still do it. And if you have too many loafs, it's going to cost you. So, you know, and it's, it's, a, 
it sounds like, all right, why would some, you know, $10 million player care about, you know, having a few loafs? You make it uh, a part of the culture and you make it such that it's just, it's understood. Like you can't fall short. And so it, it's, it really does. They have really bought into this. I mean, they give him credit. And that's why I actually like him as a, as a head coaching candidate generally, because I think getting players to buy in to stuff that may on the outside sound like BS is hard. <laughs> he has done that. He has a culture on defense. I mean, they lead the league in turnovers this year, in part because Darius Leonard was made in a laboratory, but also because it's cultural. Okay? They teach going for the football. And they do it without sacrificing tackling and sacrificing, you know, uh, execution and things like that. So uh, there are really, I think, he has a lot of autonomy on that defense. Frank Reich coaches the offense. Matty Rufus coaches the defense. And that is his deal. Uh, For the most part, Frank Reich sticks his head in defensive meeting room a couple times a week. And he's like, all right, you got it. I'm going to go do my job. And so I think that gives me also some indication that he'd be a good leader as a head coach. Um, Now, I'll shut up for a second. I'll just quickly touch on what you asked me about the scheme and the scheme change. I've asked Iberflus um, a lot about, about his scheme and, and is it flexible and those kinds of things. He gets, he gets really, uh, I don't want to say defensive, but he, he doesn't like to get put in a box because he feels like he's, he'll, what he'll tell you is, look, I have worked a lot of places, and he has. Gary Pinkle is another one of his mentors, and he talks about them playing a lot of man-to-man defense. And, and actually this season, the Colts, played a ton of man-to-man defense and they really sort of you know became a a much more aggressive team from a coverage standpoint for example so you know I I do think that there's some kind of uh, there is some assumption maybe that they play a certain style but there is some there is some flexibility in it and and he has coached other schemes and and would be able to coach other schemes it would be very interesting if he did take over as a head coach whether he'd hire a coordinator who's like-minded or whether he'd be open to hiring someone who's different. That would be an interesting question. Well, really good stuff, Stephen. We really appreciate it. A lot of great insight there um, and some interesting things for the Bears to talk uh, talk about and think about as well. Uh, follow Stephen on Twitter, at Holder Stephen. Uh, definitely find that story. We'll put it out to uh, the story on Morocco Brown. It's definitely worth uh, checking out. And uh, thanks so much for the time, and thanks for being flexible yourself today, Stephen. Hey, no problem. Good luck with the with the dual searches. That would be fun for you guys. <laughs> We've you know been it. here, done that. This is That's this is an old hat for us. <laughs> That's true. Well, I'm going to go enjoy my off season. Have fun, guys. <laughs> All right, you enjoy that. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> See you. Just really good stuff from Stephen. There, I would also recommend checking out Zach Kiefer's story on the Athletic um, and Ed Dodds. Um, seems to be a very interesting, fiery type. Um, built maybe a little bit differently in terms of uh, persona than, than Ryan Pace a little bit. So I, I would definitely uh, suggest checking those out. Um, Zach and Steven do a great job covering the Colts for The Athletic. Um, I'm curious for your thoughts on this, Adam. Like there's a lot of parallels that he just pointed out between Dodds, Brown, even Ballard, even Eberflus with Marinelli with when the Bears were the last good. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Mm-hmm. The Angelo Marinelli stuff, Lovey Smith stuff, you know, like 
We know Darius Leonard and Charles Tillman have hit it off because of all the fumbles they forced. You know, I think Ballard himself, there's a story out there, texted Charles Tillman once and said, I found the linebacker version of you. Like, I think that's a story out there. So I'm just curious, like, how does that play up with George McCaskey? How does that play up with Ted Phillips when all those connections are that apparent? to what once was with your own team. Well, and that's the thing. Are they willing to listen this time? Because we have documented examples in the past 10 years where they didn't want to hear what former employees of their organization wanted to change or thought should be changed. And now we have an example with the GM reporting directly to ownership now of them essentially admitting that they screwed that up, that they should have made that change. So I think where I get worried, Johns, is I'm still not sold that they're willing to listen to that stuff Um, with one prime example being George's comments Monday about Essentially saying he doesn't want to hear it from people who are in the media. From those would be po- those would be his former players. Yes, I yeah. was going the exact same way. So um, he, as recently as this week, when he's asked about why don't you talk to your former players and what they have to say, and he said, "Well, you know, we're 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 open to that, but I tend to not listen to." players who are in the media because I don't want to put them in position where they have to choose between what's a private conversation and what's something that can go on the air, which is another way of saying you just don't trust them. Or you don't want to hear, you don't want to hear what you don't want to hear, you know, like, right. And then you have Gary Fensick come out who Gary Fensick doesn't do. He doesn't work for anybody in the media. He just does some interviews from time to time. And he comes out and says, they don't listen to me either. And Gary Fensick is a, a very successful businessman outside of the NFL. Like these, so I don't believe that they're willing to listen to those things. And I do, of of anything I was disappointed about this week more than anything, it was the very subtle change with Ted Phillips. That was, oh, by the way, Ted's idea. Come on, man. Like, it just... Even if that was true, that's not what... Come out and say it was your idea. Like, t- take some ownership, George. You are an owner. Be be ownership. Say, Own the team, yeah. Run the I've team. had enough of this. We're making this change. Ted is moving out to handle the stadium. This is what we're doing. And, and, and own it, even if it was Ted's idea. Own it as your own idea. Because that just looked horrible. I think it goes back to... Even other questions in that press conference with them, like their willingness to hear things they don't want to hear and their willingness to have somebody around them that makes them feel uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jim Harbaugh is going to make you uncomfortable. If these stories that we're hearing about Ed Dodds is true, like he's going to make you uncomfortable. That's okay. Mike Ditka made you uncomfortable every day of his life there. But you know what? He won. Dan Hampton, Owen Krutz. Big brash personalities, but god damn it, they're winning football players. <laughs> yeah. You know, like 
hear them out. Hear them out. Um, I don't know. Like, if, And if you don't like that they're in the media, like you can prevent that. You're a billion-dollar team. Hire them. Yes. <laughs> and an advising uh, and, role, and, and, even if it's temporary. Yeah, and, and, and just if you do hire them, maybe offer $16 an hour, not 15 and the going rate's fifteen fifty at them, so it's not get crazy. <laughs> but that, that's yeah, the the willingness to accept things you don't want to hear, you know, or criticism of your past mistakes. I just think I don't know. I, I'm just bothered that they're running a simultaneous search again, and you know, head coaches are being interviewed. It's like we just we've been here before, Adam. I don't, and they don't and, they. They don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. They just Man, don't. You, you know me. Like, I try to be a positive guy. You and I both try to be positive guys. You know, we get criticized by our colleagues for it sometimes. But sometimes things just are what they are. That's it. Well, it just... It, 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 people confuse that, though, Johns, with... I, one thing I take great pride in that we've done on this podcast over the last seven years is we're fair when you need to be fair and we see both sides of it. Okay, which is why we can, to the very last day, say, does, does Ryan Pace probably deserve to be fired after the whole body of work seven years? Yes, there's certainly... No one's, no one's sitting here saying they made a mistake. Okay, but to get there, you had to acknowledge some of the good things, including probably this past draft class when you look back on it. And as you've said many times this week, there's a good chance that Ryan Pace already did the hardest job for the next GM by getting Justin Fields. So, But that's all out there, and that's fine. But that's what the approach we usually take. With this, with ownership, we are actually giving you both sides. There is nothing on the other side. If there was, we would bring it to you. I don't know what there is. It's it's mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. And when you have a press conference like you did Monday, it gives nobody confidence that this time is going to be different. Other than, and I've wrote this, you know, we've talked about it. Like, I do think it's good that they brought in Sue Campbell and Tanisha Wade to give some difference of opinions in that room, and you just hope they carry some weight. And you hope that at the end of the day, it just doesn't end up late night in George's office where Ted and Bill are still sitting there. And what do you really think about you, what you, we you're should painting do here? this picture? Like, you know, I'm, I'm visualizing like, you know, whiskey or bourbon being shared, although I don't, George doesn't strike me as drinker like that but they're sitting on leather chairs and there's a warm fire and there's like a there's like a bear rug you know with the hat <laughs> you know like they're, they're gonna make the final decision on this um like i love their involvement their input i think is going to be extremely valuable but at the end of the day i still i still think this is just my belief you're skeptical Skept the ball because they're still working off a list created by Bill Polian. And I think Bill Polian, like, I'm not disrespecting his name. I just, again, everybody, he's a Hall of Famer for a reason. But we've, you got to recognize you've been here before. And they're doing it again. One of the crux of our article was essentially this. 
and I, we're, we're gonna wrap wrap it up right now. Um, you got the three most important people in the Bears franchise are the GM, the head coach, and the quarterback, and they are seldom aligned. Seldom. They had this one opportunity this season in the George McCaskey era where they're all aligned, and it was bungled. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy worked together to draft Justin Fields. After that, their plan failed for Fields. And this is why we're where we're at. And now you have this quarterback that the last GM traded up to and cost you a first-round pick this year that has to work with the new GM and a new coach. It's here we go again. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. All right. That's enough of us today. Um, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Again, make sure you check out all these stories. Mine's on NBCSportsChicago.com. John's and Kevin's on TheAthletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Can I give uh, uh, Dan Pompey some quick love, too, for his assistance on that? Oh, you're right. Dan was involved, too. The Hall of Famer himself. So stick that's tap why the to That's it. why the story's so good. Absolutely. Yeah. The Hall of Famer involved? Yeah. Yeah. That was a good job by you. Uh, and we will forgive you for, um, you know, you didn't just bail on me yesterday. You bailed on all of our listeners. <laughs> but um, but then you still went on Waddle and Sylvie. So, you know. I, I had agreed to that. I'm like, he's going to hear me. I knew he'd, he'd hear me. I say, was- no, I say no to those guys so many times because, like, can you come on at three? I'm like, no, dude. I'm like, literally in line to pick up my kids. They gave me a time that worked. No, it was, it was funny. I was sitting here working, and all of a sudden, Waddle, or uh, Sylvie was like, Coming up next, Adam Johns. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> this jerk couldn't do a podcast with me today. Yeah. Son of a. <laughs> you know what the truth is? I finally caught up on some sleep yesterday morning. So I think at 9 o'clock when we would have been recording, I had gone back to bed after putting James on the bus. Uh, see? Sleep. So Not I got overrated. a little sleep. Oh, I needed it. Trust me. Um, so anyway... Uh, thank you to all our listeners for being patient. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode today. We will continue to bring insights from wherever we can on some of these candidates um, as they come about. And we're not going anywhere, so we'll be back Tuesday with a new episode after the weekend. I'm telling you, just I'm not saying anything is going to happen, but just sometimes after Wild Card Weekend, there's some surprises that get thrown in there. And, and I think the Bears need to be ready for that, whatever it is. But also not overreact to it. Like, oh, John Fox is available. Let's hire him. <laughs> but if Mike Tomlin wants to make a move in uh, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin type situation, do that. Sign for that. All right. Uh, we'll have to see. So plenty of coverage. Uh, make sure you check out YouTube. You know all the places. Obviousshirts.com. Appreciate you. We'll be back next week. See ya. I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator.